0: Hi, and welcome to the Spike Podcast. My name's Tim Johnson, your co-host, and I'm here today with friend of the show, Andy Scott. Uh, We recently did an interview with Angus McDonald, head of small business sales for ANZ, for HubSpot. HubSpot's blog is one of the top blogs around the world, read by millions and millions of people every day. We had a very interesting chat with Angus as to the transition of content uh, from the traditional blog and into a lead gen facility for HubSpot over the last three to five years. Like there's two sides to, to HubSpot. I mean, essentially, HubSpot as a content vehicle is just enormous, right? So they use there's awards, there's events, there's products, there's speakers, partnerships, social stuff, integrations. There's just millions and millions of things that these guys do. It's yeah, just okay. it's just huge. So. Particularly from Angus's point of view, product is massive. So... Um,
1: yeah. Do you do you deliver stuff for clients and stuff as well?
2: No, but we have... Uh,
1: we're essentially the software
2: platform for okay. our clients to execute a content strategy. Okay. But we do have a... Well, one of the, the, the biggest revenue drivers for us is actually our network of agency partners. Yeah, okay. Yes, who do roll out
1: all of that. Yeah, okay. So, do you have a quite... I suppose, good insight into what makes a good strategic content plan, how to attribute value to it, how to assess ROI, how to assess. I'm just thinking from idea, like, I, I mean, I, mm. so I'm asking lot. Like, I deal with a lot of people who, everyone gets excited by content mm. and I see it done really badly. And I see it done people, and when I say badly, it's it's not part of an overflow of any sort of strategy at all. It's just mm. they're doing it because content sounds cool right now. yeah, Or they're doing it and they've done it, and it's quite a good execution in terms of measurements of how many mm. people have seen it, how long they've been engaging with it, return visits to the site, that all looks great. And yeah. then they'll say, yeah, we didn't get any sales out of it. Or like, at
2: least they don't know. Or we didn't scale well, well, to this to yeah.
1: Regardless, but yeah, oh, we didn't get any sales. Okay, well, there wasn't a call to action on your page. How were you measuring sales? I don't know. So mm. do you know what I mean? So, I haven't, yep. so do, you, do you have a lot of insight on that? Cause I think that'd yep. be really, interesting yeah
2: we, we actually just launched something new um, as of last week which we were just about to talk about which is called campaign analytics which now the whole everybody in our basic professional license or enterprise license get essentially it's tying a campaign inside HubSpot which is the way that we think about a campaign is every single piece of content that is targeting a persona Yeah, yeah. so that could be three blog posts it could be particular keywords that are um, within that blog post, it could be ebooks and landing pages. It could be social media messages, emails, automated workflows, everything that's kind of tied into that one person that they're targeting. And then um, attributing the person that ended up in the closed one deal to the content that they engage with within that campaign. Okay.
0: Right. Yes. So you guys have been testing that in house before you've rolled it out?
2: Yep
1: i imagine permanent (laughs) (laughs) bait everybody knows that (laughs) everybody knows that
0: um what i what i wanted to touch on angus was um Around the product side of things, um, you know, HubSpot is is pretty powerful in the various ways that it interacts with all of its clients, all of its sales um, potential, you know, uh, potential sales um, prospects. But but particularly, you know, across a, a huge medium of different content strategies. But particularly around products, HubSpot's really uh, started to to redefine adding on particular features and products and essentially using them as a, as a sales feature and as a, a real content piece to, to mm. speak to your audience. How does that kind of relate back to, first of all, what the customer wants and mm. uh, and secondly, how you speak to uh, your customers in terms of as a, as a content piece?
2: Okay, so I suppose like HubSpot didn't originally, wasn't originally a product focused business. We have over the past probably about 18 months moved into a model which is providing free cheap and kind of like a scaled product model essentially to get you know land grab get as many users inside our free tools as possible to help them scale and grow um but in terms of like the add-ons there the add-on i suppose probably i think what you might be referring to would be say all of our Integrations with all the third-party platforms. Sure, sure. So a lot of the way the, the way that a lot of businesses are now looking at HubSpot is almost like a almost like a data house, where you're actually using HubSpot and connecting to say your uh, video tool, so say like a Wistia, uh, connecting to a your ad platforms, connecting to your um, event management platforms, whatever it may be, and sending all of the engagement data. Per contact back into HubSpot for you then to be able to personalize your marketing um, with a with a targeted email, uh, automate your process, or even say report on you know what content and what platform is kind of like helping you grow your your. Customer base.
0: Yeah, yeah. You also mentioned a recent uh, new tool that you're looking at, which is um, which is an instant messaging platform that, mm. that builds into HubSpot. Can you can you touch on that and sort of how that feeds into the the product offering?
2: It's not yet feeding into the Hub the HubSpot product offering, but it will. Um, we just see like a, a huge opportunity to nail the chat bot industry. It's it's something that's kind of taking off. Facebook is doing it. We we actually tested the com- the company that we did purchase. We test ran their automated chatbot functionality with some of our uh, Australian events yep. to help, say, with a salesperson engage with their clients that, or at least the client that the potential customers that are in their name that they may not be working yet, actually book meetings with them. So. The the chat bot would say welcome them the moment they they uh, registered at the front gate would then at certain times throughout the event send them a little notification saying here's the slide deck for the show the the piece you're about to watch um, and even right towards the end of that session prompt people to say book a time with a rep that's in their name we ended up with with some of those events we ended up getting you know eighty and ninety meetings booked on the one day which yeah, was insane it's
0: powerful stuff I, yeah. I've actually uh, Uh, Just sort of halfway through building my first chatbot just to sort of see what it's all about through Facebook Messenger and it sends you, Angus you'll love this, it sends you a swell report every morning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. Uh, depending on your beach, hooked into Willy Weather, and 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 it is amazing how easy it is, right? The chatbots are the absolute future. Mm. It's um, it's impressive to see that you can do that on um, on the scale of a particular event on a particular day, yeah. And the engagement, right? It just uh, it just it just resonates. People need that sort of flexibility, need that um, that easiness to interact and get exactly what they need out of things. Mm. Uh, it's really um, uh, it's 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 cool to see,
2: it. yeah. I think part of that is like we're we're always trying to monitor and watch trends and change our product and change the way we advise our customers based on the trends that are beginning to happen. So the first one would be content marketing, like inbound marketing. We Our founders kicked off the company noticing and realizing that we were making the vast majority of our purchasing decisions online we weren't speaking with salespeople as much. We were coming to salespeople more educated than we ever were because we had all this content online to educate ourselves. And thus, there's HubSpot and there's inbound marketing. Um, and now we're, you know, we're seeing chat. We're seeing millennials kind of grow up and being living and breathing inside their their phones and chat um, platforms. And so we're evolving with them.
1: That's what I, I wanted to ask. What's driven that evolution from your guys' perspective?
2: As in into chat
1: or? Yeah, moving from point A where you started into, mm. you know, new fields, shall we say.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I found it was definitely well equipped to answer that one. But, um, you know, it, it definitely started with the uh, the change in which we are making purchasing decisions. It was a huge piece. Um, and we, we built that. We realized that we needed to first help the small business. We didn't really ever want to play in the, the big enterprise space. We wanted to because virtually all companies, well, at least a vast majority of companies, uh, find it pretty easy to well, I wouldn't say easy, but just it is an easier um, approach to kind of nail the the enterprise space. There's bigger budgets. It's there's more people who use their software. There it's a it's a higher return in terms of you know the cost required customer versus the return you get. It's like it's a it's a safer marketplace. Um, and thus our founders kind of recognized that there was there wasn't really a platform company that had nailed that small to medium business Um, and that's what started so we started out with say seo tools and blog content tools which were kind of feeding the content strategy that we recognized was happening and then we've kind of started at the top of the content funnel with tools and now we're working our way down into say crm and and our success platform, that we, which we've just announced.
1: You said that in your buying process, you go to, I suppose, organizations and firms much better educated nowadays. You, you know mm. more about their products before you actually approach them as a salesperson. Mm. I'm guessing that's the same with people that come to your product as well. Mm-hmm. What I'm wondering is what are the sort of common problems that you hear? Because you'll hear a lot of small businesses and there'll be common things that are coming up. These are people who want to give it a go. They've had an investigation, they've tried it. It may not be working, that's why they've come to you. What are the the common things that you and your guys hear and you think, yeah, okay, we've heard this a thousand times before. We we know what that problem is. Don't worry, we can fix it, but it's a common problem.
2: Mm, Okay, Uh, one would be that um, a lot of businesses know they need to be blogging No, they need to be producing content they're doing it they're just not getting a result um so but they're also potentially have been had poor experiences with seo companies in the past the good and the bad of course there's companies out there that do a really really great job and and as a result try to educate them and kind of give them some power to make some decisions around seo and content strategy themselves are the problems would just be uh, reporting is a big one just reporting on content and having you know your landing page tool and your blog platform and then your social media platforms and your email marketing tool all disconnected it's just it's impossible really to try and report on the impact of those campaigns that you run trying to report off some of an
0: antiquated analytics tagging yeah um and yeah bringing it all into one house yeah
2: yeah it makes a lot of sense it's it's a huge time saver
1: what a key metrics people should be reporting, do you think?
2: It uh, depends on the business. But uh, definitely, well, there's, I mean, there's di- different types of, of course you've got like first touch, last touch, multi-touch attribution, all that kind of stuff. But really just getting, it, it, it's more about say, understanding the content that people are engaging with and at what stage they might be inferred based on how they are engaging with your content and say, pulling a list of contacts for your sales reps, as an example, that maybe um, those contacts have downloaded an ebook uh, maybe six months ago, but are recently back on the website and opened a recent email that was sent to them. That, to me, as a as a salesperson, would be that's a hot lead. Yeah, I haven't spoken to them in the past six months, but they're back on the site. Um, yeah, so that that would it's kind of like segmentation, some reporting.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting the the segmentation side of things and. You know, as we discussed before, not specifically in the enterprise space, which uh, really lends itself to segmentation purely just because of the sheer numbers and the size of the data that you're working with. Mm. When you're talking about small to medium-sized businesses who don't have, uh, you know, a, a massive amount of um, of resource to be producing content on a on a mm. daily basis or otherwise, um, uh, you know, a, 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 an extremely regular basis, and and also don't really have the customer base or otherwise the uh, the lead network that um, uh, that an enterprise uh, might have. How do you segment, you know, someone who only needs to acquire, you know, a small amount of customers to keep, to grow their business significantly?
2: As in how do we at hubspot segment
0: or just uh, just in terms of uh, attribution side of things um, it's really easy to break apart um, when you've got a huge data set but if someone has uh, you know a relatively small content base or, or a couple of just a, a couple of different things that they're doing and they're scaling well yeah but they're really only getting four or five leads a month and that's enough mm-hmm. for them to grow right is attribution really a massive uh, a massive thing there and, and you know how do you how do you frame that for a for a small to medium yeah. business
2: yeah, no, it's a good point. Probably not for the small business. The the biggest, probably, the biggest problem that we solve for the small business is really just ease. It's just difficult to manage 10 different tools. You know, the strategy is going to be the same. It's yeah. just the vehicle is different. And if the vehicle, you know, HubSpot means that they can actually produce an extra blog post a week or they can actually send an email to that list of people that is going to get a result, then it makes sense. Yeah. All under one roof. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, It's interesting a point you raise about the difficulty of managing all those different things. And I guess it sort of leads to a question about whether it's better to have quality or quantity Mm -hmm. of these touch points. Have you got an opinion on that?
2: Yeah. So we used to advise that quantity was the right approach. We don't necessarily believe that that's true anymore. When did There's, you make that switch? Uh, I think that was like within the space of the last 12 months. I think one of yeah. them, our marketing team kind of did an analysis of all of our content. There's a blog post on it somewhere that I could probably share. <laughs> um, but I think the, the idea is that like, as well this idea of uh, pillar content and topic clusters as a strategy for structuring your website lends itself to quality over quantity. So essentially what, what, essentially what that means, and this is a part of a big product launch that we um, had recently as well, is that Google is getting to the point that it can understand the semantic relationship of phrases, you know, where somebody may search guide, but they may find a page that's optimized for best practice. Um, okay. So layering out a quality strategy in regards to the content you produce and how it's connected on your site is probably a better approach. You said pillar con- well, pillar content and... Topic clusters. So, the idea is that you have a pillar page, like one page as say the definitive guide for a particular topic. Um, and on that page, you have links off to blog posts that relate to that core topic. Into um, sub Subsections. Yeah. Yep. Essentially, a, a cluster of topics that relate yeah, okay. semantically to that core page. And that little web there actually enables Google to then go, well, this page is focused on this, but it's also connected to all these other pages. And maybe that other page here also needs to be lifted and ranked. So it's almost
1: about for firms to, if I'm a business owner, I probably really need to nail down three or four things that we are really good at, Yeah. really good at. And that's that's what we'll focus on rather than, right, I've got 37,000, Instagram post to do today, and I've got fifteen <laughs> blogs to get out, and I've got to do twenty things on LinkedIn, uh, and and you end up just, you know, you've got to get content, 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 uh, yeah. and invariably you don't get a common voice. Is that? Mm. I mean, obviously your tools and Google and stuff and the analytics that you see through is that approach being reflected now? That that yeah. that focus as opposed to just get it out there, get as much as you can out there. Yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah, yeah. We've seen some of the our customers that uh, have were part of our beta program. Um, have, yeah, seen some great results from launching that strategy. They, I mean, they they, they repurposed their existing content and structured that way, and then, boom, up up they get a lift. Yeah, break it yeah. down. Three top pillars,
0: and then center everything around that. Yeah, and that encompasses you know your value proposition.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. You can also yeah, then sure. thinking about using that pillar content and that pillar page as a lead generating tool as well, right? So. You've got all those links off to those other blog posts, but then have a call to action for that ebook that's relevant to that pillar content. Um, and how much? Yeah. How much clustering? Can you do? Oh, this is what I wonder. Yeah, yeah. Is it at
1: some point you go to your pillar? Right, I've been, you know, we've been doing it for a year now. It's fantastic, and I go to my pillar content, and it's just hypertext links—the whole thing—because I've linked every single phrase I could <laughs> to do a bit of cluster content. So, I mean, I'm guessing that's too much, right? But is there? Yeah, is that a, a challenge? Can you rewrite the content? Is that what's a way around? Then? Talk to the SEO gurus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Which you can craft? repurpose it.
2: Um, but uh, the, from what I understand, the advice we've got from our internal SEO team is that you want, say, eight links, eight you know internal clusters, eight cluster topics around that pillar page, and you know, up to twenty, but really no more than say twelve to fifteen back uh, backlinks to uh, other other content to, on your website. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Okay. I see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow, it's it's you know, you're getting into some deep SEO here, internal yeah. <laughs> uh, backlink structures and uh, within your website. Um, all right, look, I'm going to go a bit off topic. 2017, we're all coming towards the end. 2018, what's next? What's new? What's fun for Angus McDonald and HubSpot?
2: That's two different questions entirely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, HubSpot, um, I mean, we're growing in Sydney big time, and we have huge growth goals with the business as a whole. Hmm. Uh, we've just launched our uh, success platform which is essentially the if you think about HubSpot as a as a hub, you've got your marketing functionality you have your CRM and sales you know marketing generates leads leads go into sales and once you close a customer you need to support them and that's what our success platform is. So next year is going to be exciting with with that whole new product range. I don't believe that we're going to be selling it ourselves as a team because it will be free to begin with and we will iterate and evolve, but that's going to be really, really kind of fun to, to monitor and watch. That's pretty cool. You guys constantly
0: have a new product that's uh, just a freebie, you know, try this out, check yeah, it yeah. out. <laughs>
1: is, is that yeah, how you guys- when you're in, you can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you guys sort of see the world still very, those traditional pillars of there's marketing, there's PR, for want of a better phrase, mm-hmm. and sales and they're- what that's still the the marketing tri you know the sales marketing business triangle as it yeah.
2: were yeah I just just within each one of them things are changing you yeah know? Okay. so I mean the the bot topic that we had a chat about earlier that that's an example we we need products and platforms to support the shift into that marketing channel um, similar with the sales you know the the old school uh, sales platforms are built for management, and really deep reporting, which for a small business, doesn't actually help them sell more. They actually need a tool to enable sales. Um, And with, you know, everybody sitting online and tech and digital, we can, there's some really, really cool stuff that you can do.
1: Mm. Look, I was saying this, you deal with a lot of people who, they're not necessarily the owners, but they're doing this as a job for an owner of a business. These people have to, recognize and report the value that their content strategy is getting. What are the biggest tips that you could give for those people on how to report that value up and how to show, yes, this article didn't necessarily get a widget bought, but it's been able to give you this sort of value? Uh,
2: Okay, so in this scenario, the marketer can't connect the dot between content and
1: customer? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. Let's assume it's a marketer who's done it because it's cool. And now they're being asked to justify why well, they spent all this money on something. guess there's sort of three. It the, yeah. there could be sort of three pillars there. So there's the marketing actual
0: activity. Then there's the statistics that you pull away from it, whatever they might be, whether they're relevant or not. And then there's a the translation there up the chain to management. Righto. Mm. So what are these statistics that we've reported on? Are we getting value from this? What's our return? Um, is it really, can we quantify our return here, you know?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose the reality is that when we have conversations like that, we basically say you shouldn't be in that position <laughs> because there's software that will enable you to solve that problem. And any business, we're living in, it's 2017, soon to be 18. And there's tools that are going to enable you to be able to report on all that. So if, I mean, it could be tough, but for a marketer to just push back and say, "Give me some budget, and I'll be able to report on everything I do," and that'd solve everything. But at the moment, you know, if they if they don't have those those um, platforms in place, then they're only going to be able to get the high level clicks you know, traffic, potentially, you know, number of new leads, whether or not it's attributed directly to the content, but they will be able to get, you know, some idea of the the uplift. So it comes down to infrastructure. Yeah, infrastructure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. There's systems there that can do it. So just use them. Yeah. And it's something that you,
1: if you're serious as an organization or as a marketer to do that, Mm. you need this tool as well. Just being able to write a snappy article, and giving it to your IT guy to load it up on your website or whoever mm. manages your website, it, in and of itself, that's is that sort of a recipe for failure you see yeah. from people who, yeah, we've done that, didn't work out, needs to make the investment, yeah. they need to invest early?
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely a recipe for failure if the um, people up the chain require reporting that is gonna pinpoint what worked and what didn't, you'd be in a pretty good place if they didn't, you can just write and publish whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> but. um, yeah, yeah, so I had something else. It's,
1: it's in there somewhere. It's gone. <laughs> it will come back. Was that the question you thought you were going to get asked when I said what I was going to ask? Uh, no. What <laughs> <laughs> did you think I was going to ask? I wasn't quite Tricky sure what it, what it was. Yeah. Yeah,
2: well, it, I, didn't, not, I, didn't, not, I didn't want to answer with just buy HubSpot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that is, I mean, that is. Well, like even so, I so, was
1: wondering if you go, well, look, these are key features about if you're not recording you need to be able to recognize time on page because we've seen that 80% of people who go to your website five times then they're gonna bloody 90% likely to purchase or all, I don't yeah. know if you had access to any of that sort of yep. knowledge so these are the things yep. that you need to measure so you can go yeah we didn't get any sales Andy but I could go yeah but Angus mate look I've got 100 people here and because of here's the engagement of their site statistically, 90% of these people are gonna buy something in the next two months. Mm. I just purchased some access to some stats that you, you guys will have seen at just a really massive macro level that as an individual at a micro level, I may not necessarily know that. And it's almost like, geez, if you record that, that's, that's what yeah. it shows, so.
2: Yeah, so th- yeah. So th- this comes down to say attribution reporting, which for a, for a really small, for a small business, isn't so useful because you may only have one ebook or one, you know, just a couple of pieces of content, but for the bigger business that has, you know, 10 to 30,000 visits to their site a month or more and a big database and lots of customers, then it does make a lot of sense. So, being able to say, attribute a particular page as the last touch before a lead became an opportunity then being able to say, right, we're now gonna try and identify who in our database is a lead, not yet an opportunity. We're gonna try and get them in front of this piece of content. Right. And influence them. Yeah, so, okay. Not only uh,
0: not only qualifying customers uh, from a sort of traditional funnel approach, and you know taking that ten percent off the bottom, who's who's mm. uh, you know potentially ready to purchase, but then also from a, a content perspective, or you know mm. um, lead magnet, or you know you're looking at in terms of what is the best you know ranking that in terms of a funnel, right? What's um, what's introductory? What's more successful? Because when you start to break it down, you know. Every single landing page has a pretty strong call to action, but being able to attribute, you know, strength to particular different landing pages for different reasons,
2: you know, that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Matching
0: that up is also pretty, um, is pretty powerful.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any like core stats because every business is different. You've, you know, B to C to B to B and all the different industry types and everything. But um, a lot of the the strategy that our marketing team takes is is less about time on site um on a particular page and you know those kind of individual engagement with a with a page and just more so the content that they engage with and at what stage within the funnel they might be and whether or not serving up this piece of content in the next automated email would be useful or not
1: Mm. yeah okay so really sort of beginner intermediate expert almost for want of a but of a phrase, you can introduce more, com- the further down you see them on that funnel, you can in effect introduce more complex yeah. messaging in your content marketing that you hope will just keep driving them down to the bottom where they'll yeah. purchase.
2: Yeah, so the, the way that we um, structure and advise our clients is that you break it up into an awareness stage, a consideration stage content, and then decision. So if you think about like how we make decisions about solving problems, we don't immediately go, ah, there's the products I'm gonna buy. We actually first go, what's that itch? Or I have an itch, what is it? And we go and soft, you know, Google Discovery. diagnosis, right? Yeah. Um, and then we, and that is us becoming aware of the problem. We then diagnose that we, and we look for a, a solution. And then once we know the solution, we go to the provider, so the decision. Um, and basically, if you can, if you can structure your whole funnel and the way that your consumers and customers make a decision and build content out at every stage, you, you cover every base and you, you nurture everyone through. Mm. As long as you got that pillar content. And the cluster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Angus McDonald, APAC Sales Manager from HubSpot. It's been an absolute pleasure having you in here to hear your thoughts on everything content marketing and how HubSpot really does it because you are literally one of the big players uh, pushing around in this space um, for the last year or two. Um, all the best and we'll uh, speak to you soon cheers thanks, thanks Tim Angus. thanks Andy thanks for listening to the Spike podcast if you've got any questions for myself or Andy otherwise for, for Angus our guest you can reach us at info at spike.com.au. follow us on social through our website otherwise we'll see you next time